are your week 17 instant reactions. Congratulations to all of you who have won your fantasy football championships. And on this show, we go game by game, player by player, performance by performance to tell you what you might have missed along the way by just tracking your own team, by potentially tracking the best ball mania three winners that get millions and millions and millions of dollars. But first, I need to introduce Hayden Winks and John Daigle, and we kick it off to you, John Daigle, with a total of 51 points. The Detroit Lions stay afloat in their potential playoff run, 8-8 eight and eight on the season, 41-10 to 10 victory of the Chicago Bears. And Jared Goff scores three touchdowns. Jamal Williams gets there with 144 and one. We love these Lions, don't we? And this is one of their better performances of the season, it felt like, Daigle. Another efficient game, especially at home, indoors for golf. And we thought there were going to be fireworks early on in this one because both teams scored on their first two opening drives, uh, including Justin Fields for Chicago side of the ball. Uh, great play design, third and one pitch to commit. I'm sure everyone has seen the play on social media. If you haven't, go look it up where Komet actually pitches to Justin Fields for a 27-yard gain. And then on that same drive, their opening possession, Fields hits him, Komet, for a 13-yard touchdown to begin. Fields also the next possession, a 59-yard run up the middle on third and four to go over 100 yards rushing in the first quarter alone. But after that, a suffering a thigh ankle injury, the same thing he battled from last week. After that possession, even after that long run, he's on the sideline the entire time at the trainer's table in the medical tent, just getting massaged and trying to work something out in his leg. And from that point forward, the game was over because Justin Fields was no longer Justin Fields. Even the next drive, no carries at all. They were just forced to go through the air. And that's not how Fields or this Bears offense works. So literally the Lions just went to town on a defense that, as we talked about last week, since trading Robert Robert Quinn and Roquan Smith is allowing elite high 32 points per game they're dead last in epa per drawback they're dead last in epa per play they're just not a good defense and so the lions had no issues just stacking yards and points today yeah it was crazy and modern st brown does next to nothing because the touchdown just happened to go to the tight end that nobody has and then the <laughs> deandre swift and jamal williams both finishes top five running backs on the week pending sunday night and monday night football uh it was good to see deandre swift break off a couple big plays here and it was also good to see those uh hips get moving from jamal williams on a goal line carry he almost had another goal line touchdown as well but this was just the story of the Lions season is their defense isn't very good but their offense when everyone healthy could ball out and that's exactly what jared goff did dan campbell after said that watching deandre swift back fully healthy is like when you see a bottle of water in the desert and you're very thirsty i don't know if that analogy makes a lot of sense but it's very cool to see deandre swift be extremely explosive and then our guy you know 15 rushing touchdowns this year and jamal williams this is his career high in rushing yards 144 according to next gen stats 65 rushing yards over expected and in total it's a season high in carries for this team with 39 with 98 rushing yards over expected as soon as we saw daigle during our stream on sunday morning and an active justin jackson being out for this game it made so much sense that a three-person backfield shifted and whittled down into a two-person backfield and at least from our seat made deandre swift a must start when he hasn't really been dependable for an entire season so far 
And Jamal Williams, I would expect to start in week 18 since he's now six yards shy of getting a contract bonus and incentive for 150. Uh, he only needs six more rushing yards to get that incentive. So they'll at least get him out there, get his carry to support their players, and then probably call it a day after that. But nonetheless, yes, DeAndre Swift also. This is the healthiest and best he's looked all year. 7.8 yards per touch, a season high, 27 and a half fantasy points, PPR points, and 117 total yards with two total touchdowns. Uh, none of it was a fluke either. Broken tackles, explosions up the middle and on the sidelines, it's all there. Um, and you watch it and you say, okay, this is what, if Swift was healthy all year, this is what he would look like in any other situation. And now with 416 points on the season, this is actually the second highest scoring team in Lions history. The record is 474 that the team set in 2011. Also, Jamal Williams, just one touchdown shy of Barry Sanders' franchise record for rushing touchdowns in a year. So him and Derrick Henry are battling it out for the league leader and rushing touchdowns, and Henry and the Titans obviously going into a must-win Week 18 game. The Lions are still kind of floating around because they have an outside chance with yep. lots having to happen in Week 18, so we'll see. Daigle, I want to go through that a little bit, and hey, maybe yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, because right now the Seahawks are 8-8, eight and eight, they're the seventh seed, the Lions are 8-8, eight and eight, and the Packers are 8-8. Eight and eight. The Lions and the Packers play each other in Week 18, and then the Seahawks, I believe, play the Los Angeles Rams. So if the Seahawks win that, then they are in. But the, the Lions have to win and the Seahawks have to lose. That's how they make it. Okay. But the Seahawks are the one that have control of their own, as people say, destiny in this Packers ha Packers have their control. And yes. then wow. the Seahawks and then the Lions. Packers-Lions. Because the Packers have the edge over the Seahawks in that entire formula. It's also yeah. golf narrative outdoors in Lambeau in January. I hope they flex that game uh, for the last game of the season. They probably won't, but because I think the Lions have to play at the same time as the Seahawks, and they will probably give the lean towards Jaguars, Titans. But I agree. I hope they do, but you probably can't, knowing the Seahawks still control your destiny as well. I mean, just pretty miserable from the Bears all around. And you mentioned Justin Field stuff, and that was super dynamic early on. Only finishes with 75 yards, one passing touchdown, 132 rushing yards. He's how many away from Lamar Jackson's single season record? Can't be that many by now. 132. He is now 64 shy. Um, also, Fields, he has more 60-yard carries this year than every quarterback combined over the last five years. If you can compute that in your head for a second. And thank God we got Chase Claypool at that 34th pick to evaluate Justin Fields if he's good. One really, target, zero catches. And they were mad. There was, I saw some press uh, uh, post-conference uh, situation. Real quick, just to clean, clean this up. The Seahawks, even if they win, the pack if the Packers win, they'll, the Seahawks will still miss the playoffs. Got it. So it's really just, if the Packers win, this, this playoff picture is not that complicated. If the Packers lose, then it will come down to if the Seahawks won early on. Final point, because he's going to be relevant heading into next year, Dago. I know, I'm going to ask you this question. Jamison Williams, this seems like his most involvement of the season. He had three targets. He had a carry for 40 yards. Did anything pop up here, or was it just scattershot? The carry was concerted usage. It was an end around behind the line of scrimmage that went for 40 yards. So there was a little more usage, but again, they are being, and rightfully so, very careful with how they use them towards the end of the year. Also, I want to make the final That's all I was yelling at you because DJ Shark had now has five 25 catches since December. And remember, his contract was one year, all fully guaranteed. He's going to hit the market in what is a very poor 
free agency for wide receivers. So DJ Shark about to get paid, whether it's with the Lions or not. And then also Aiden Hutchinson, maybe not your offensive rookie of the year, but my defensive rookie of the year. Uh, first rookie with seven sacks and five takeaways in a season since Terrell Suggs in 2003. And he got it on an interception where they dropped literally 11. Drop 11. <laughs> I love that. Basically playing cover two in the flats. and uh, Yeah. Well, I, I did want to compliment real quick the Lions just real quick. Their handling of Jamison Williams. A lesser team would have forced this, but they are playing the long game as they should. That's a fun story for the Lions making the playoffs, but this is a team playing for next season. And I'm with Daigle. DJ Shark has a chance to be an X receiver for a team, obviously a low-end X receiver, but those are hard to find. And whenever he's been healthy, he's been productive. I think that he will be getting a back. All right. Let's now go to maybe one of the more shocking performances of Sunday. And it's not that the Kansas City Chiefs actually won this one, but it's that they had to come back to win it with a 14-point fourth quarter down 17 to 13. Again, heading into that fourth period. It's a 27-24 victory for the Chiefs. Lay this one out for us, Hayden, because my eyes immediately jumped to Jarek McKinnon, who has had an insane run over these last few weeks and ends this one with five catches, 52 yards, and another two scores. Very casual. Jarek McKinnon, the first uh, running back in the Super Bowl era to have a receiving touchdown in five straight games, and he has two of them. He has eight on the year. That puts him in the top 15, not at just our running backs, but for all players in receiving touchdowns. Uh, there was a little bit of a rotation here as Usual, Isaiah Pacheco scores a touchdown from five yards out. Jarek McKinnon's first touchdown was leaking on the opposite side from six yards out. Uh, it's really crazy because it seems like Jarek McKinnon is like the number two receiver on the team behind Travis Kelsey, who had a pretty quiet day for his standards. But really, this game was close because uh, Patrick Mahomes had a terrible uh, interception in the end zone on a broken play, scrambling to his left, just threw it up. Uh, he just shrugged it off. It was a bad performance. Um, but some costly turnovers from from the Broncos uh, kept this thing back in the Chiefs' favor. So uh, it was a close game. It was kind of an embarrassing game for the Chiefs, but a win's a win. They're still alive for a first-round bye, pending what the Bills can do uh, this next week. McKinnon's eight touchdowns as well, like just in these last five games. He is the Amon Ross St. Brown of last year that literally won your fantasy playoffs for you just by rostering solely him. And I know he had like a five-yard touchdown catch, a three-yard touchdown catch. He also had the here, though, out of empty, a right wide receiver catch for 20, what, five yards, 28 yards? I mean, this is cool stuff. Like, we talked about it because, you know, Matty F. Brown had a whole video on the channel. You can all watch it if you want to. The coolest thing to me about NFL seasons are when we get to these late weeks and just role players for their entire careers emerged to become difference makers for contenders. And Jarek McKinnon is that, I mean, what a career for McKinnon who, what opens it with the Minnesota Vikings gets injured. Then the San Francisco 49ers hand him a huge contract. He could have been the guy for Kyle Shanahan gets injured there. And now is on just again, a one year deal after being the guy to help them in last year's playoffs too. And he pops up. I mean, the Chiefs and what they're doing, we talk about every single week, so we don't need to dive into it anymore. It's the focal point of Patrick Mahomes to Travis Kelsey and then just a bunch of guys. I mean, even Hayden Kadarius Tony pops up for four targets, four receptions, and 71 yards as the team's leading receiver. Not so. He also had a fumble, too. So, like, it just goes, time. yeah. So, it's it's a chaotic team, but they're still very good with Patrick Mahomes. I did want to mention for, on the Broncos side, the pass game was really bad. There was four sacks. They had an interception. Um, but Russell Wilson, I will give him some credit here just a little bit. 
he did look a little bit more explosive on the ground. He had a keeper for a 15 yard touchdown that the Bronx or the, the chiefs were not expecting at all. We got Albert O to get in the box score. We got some confirmation from, from Benjamin Albright that he was uh, in some, um, some discussions with the coaching staff earlier in the season. Mm. That's why he was a healthy scratch. We'll see if he gets moved this off season. Um, and a couple other notes from Benjamin Albright about the coaching search. It seems like Dan Quinn might be the favorite here. They want experience uh, and they want to get this defense going. And then uh, that some people think that Sean Payton could go to the Broncos. Albright does not think so. And he's, he reported that it's probably gonna take a first round pick for a team to trade for Sean Payton in new Orleans. Final point. Every time that this popped up for me on red zone, and it's been going this way all season long. Something was up with a Patrick Mahomes to MVS connection for a big play. Looked like there was one underthrow that could have gone for a long touchdown, one yes. overthrow that could have gone for a long touchdown. We've had these against the Colts. We've had them in other periods this year. MVS, you had long touchdowns with Aaron Rodgers. I don't think has hit a singular one this year, which is hyper tilted. Even his catches 40 yards downfield, he's been tackled after him, which is like the most tilting thing ever. It was a, he was a, a worse in best ball, a worse in redraft, a worse in dynasty. He was worse in everything. We'll take that one on the chin. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, speaking about playoffs, secure the NFC South with a 30-24 to 24 victory over the Carolina Panthers. All season long, we've waited for Tom Brady, who led the NFL in 20-plus yard passing attempts last season to throw down the field. You know, turn that corner that we've talked about on the show every single week. Pat the ball three or four times. Trust his offensive line. Wait three or four seconds. And today, in a win and end playoff scenario, Brady gave us what we asked for. And it was the old man Mike Evans. Three long touchdowns. A 63-yarder, a 57-yarder, a 30-yarder for a day and a fantasy football championship clinching. 10 catches, 207 yards, and three scores. Brady throws 45 times compared to just 25 runs for this team for 432 yards. And just to scale this back a little bit and how it got there, the Panthers dominated early on. It was a 14-0 lead. They had complete control. It was Sam Darnold off his back foot to DJ Moore in the first play of the game for 25 yards, capped it with a great corner route to Tommy Trimble. Sam Darnold had another nice fourth and three conversion to DJ Moore in an out pattern, then connected with DJ Moore in a long touchdown. That's a perfectly placed ball over his shoulder. Hit another one to Shy Smith on a third down too. But in the end, again, the ingredients for a major comeback are turnovers, which the Bucks defense got, and explosive plays. And, you know, drives that you've struggled to chain together, 15, 12 play drives like the Bucks have been asked to do this year. When you get 63-yard touchdowns and 57-yard touchdowns, that allows you to come back on the scoreboard and, again, clinch the NFC South. Just looking at the box scores, it's funny. The run game, Leonard Fournette, 10 carries for 28 rushing yards. Rashad White, 11 for 22. So they will never be able to run the ball at all. So this team's going to have to hit on these deep field uh, downfield targets, and they have not done that this entire season. That's why we've been complaining about the Buccaneers offense. Of course, they have it in them to complete some of these long plays, but they were. I, I was seeing some tweets about a lot of one-on-one -on -one coverage from Mike Evans. And just to recap for the Bucs who have now clinched for the playoffs, for those playing uh, NFL playoffs best ball, Rashad White, 40 snaps. Leonard Fournette, 36. We got no clarity. This was basically a playoff game. You're coin flipping between those two going in. Quickly, Rashad White did start in this game, but it felt like it was a series in, series out for one and the other. 
You obviously can't play one-on-one coverage either whenever J.C. Horn is out. That makes zero sense. And that's why you see now Mike Evans having recorded his ninth consecutive 1,000-yard season. Tied with Tim Brown now for the second longest streak all time. Only Jerry Rice has had a longer streak with 11 seasons in a row. This coverage and multiple of them was brain melting. This is the first one, I believe, a 63-yarder. It's Keith Taylor opposite him as this uh, cornerback. I believe this is just quarters coverage and Mike Evans just runs directly by him. He almost flattens out a little bit. Doesn't expect Evans to have this level of burst and runs right by him. And then the next one is against CJ Henderson, who allowed both of the final two touchdowns for Mike Evans. It appears that this one when watch Kate out in 88, the safety is going to track down. So it almost appears to be cover three, but again, Mike Evans just runs right by CJ Henderson and he's gone. Like they just didn't think that Mike Evans, who's had a pretty brutal year, right? Pretty brutal year had this in him or that they were anticipating shorter and intermediate passes, but they left it in the bag. They had it in them. And we knew that last year they did have this ability and in the game that they had to have it at home, the bucks were able to pull it out. And for the year, Brady has averaged six and a half yards per attempt against zone coverage. 30th in the NFL has been terrible this game though. 31 of 38, 382 yards, 10.1 yards per attempt against zone coverage. Uh, Pat Thorman of Established the Run also noted that Brady from no huddle today, 13 of 15 for 226 and all three of his touchdowns. Uh, it was honestly an offensive scheme change. And maybe it's because the Panthers, the defensive injuries, but overall it was just different for the Bucs nope. today. I-, I think it's because they were down 14, nothing. You okay, know? fair. And yeah. there was only about like three minutes left in the first half when they really started running with tempo. And then I, I'm with you though. At, all year long, it's felt like when they haven't gone to the huddle and then runs on first down, like that's when they've been at their best and almost forced them because they were down the scoreboard. There was also a report from a couple of weeks ago that the coaching staff said it's in the players' hands to do this. I wonder if Tom Brady's taking a little bit more control. Of note, though, still Todd, Todd Bowles was still deciding to punt the ball in clear go-forward situations. His team is being held back by their coaching staff. We'll see if they have a week, basically a bye week going into the uh, playoffs, see if they can string something together. I, th- I believe they're going to host the Dallas Cowboys most likely, um, so that would be a great game. By the way, Mike Evans uh, probably bailed you out of your last place game if you guys have Sacco punishments with a 49-burger and that is uh, 14 more points than Devontae Adams, uh, the, the wide receiver two on the week. If you didn't have Mike Evans, which most people in the best finals didn't, you were looking like you were going to be out of luck. But the good news is there's only like 10 teams that even had him. And in the most unforgettable, but probably play that's going to be forgotten in this, about 40 seconds to go inside their own 50-yard line uh, after the Panthers got a stop on the Bucks, They're about to give and punt the football back. Uh, Kamarda, who's this rookie punter, fumbles the snap, is able to pick it up and then sprint to the sideline and kick the ball instead of giving it away again, just with down by six for the Panthers to potentially steal this one with 40 seconds left. It is a penalty. It is, is an illegal man down the field, but just the awareness of to pick it up, to even scuff punt it and get it anywhere past the line of scrimmage, the rookie in some ways saved the Bucks' season in that mishap that turned into great fortune for Tampa Bay. What's so funny about the Panthers, if they win, that that punt goes awry or something like that, they're in the playoffs most likely. Now that they lost, they currently have the ninth overall pick. And if they lose next week in a meaningless game, they could even get up to like seventh overall. And that's what the Panthers needed to do. It was a fun story with Steve Wilkes to get there, but they need a, a quarterback and they need to 
to not make the playoffs for that. And Darnold, obviously, as you said, not part of their future, but some impressive throws today. Uh, Josh, do you, do you th- actually think they're considering this? There I are some mean, reports. They might be forced to. Who knows what, what, the, what the opinions are of the three quarterbacks in this year's drafts, but it kind of feels like they might have to trade up to one. And we've seen other teams do that as well. That will be the number one goal, but look across the league. It's the number one goal for so many of these teams that, and David Tepper in his past few years has tried to go out and get a veteran quarterback, but at least Sam Darnold in this, what we have seen from him has been better than past things, but this can't be the plan, but it might be forced to be the plan again, because it's such a horrible position across the league at the moment. My gut, if you evaluated just the averages from all the GMs across the league, I think Sam Darnold would rank as a top 32 NFL quarterback across the board. So I I think that he's going to find a spot somewhere, whether the Panthers want to trade up with the Chicago Bears who don't need a quarterback second overall, it would take a lot of draft picks. Are they willing to do that? That's going to come down to David Tepper more than anybody. They are going to ask for so much for that second overall pick. And I'm not saying because CJ Stroud is a great evaluation or Will Levis does. I'm not getting into those individuals. I'm just saying for not needing one, we have seen, you know, the Titans trade out of those selections in the past. Um, Some other teams too, that if one goes at first overall to the Texans at number two, the bears should be able to restock and maybe even get back that uh, chase Claypool selection. They're giving up here. Supply and demand. Supply and demand. Hayden, uh, you had a good game in the Dolphins and the Patriots. Let's go there with (laughs) New England coming out on top against a team that continues to struggle with their quarterbacks. I mean, the theme of the show so far has been the playoffs. The Patriots are now 8-8 and after their 23 points compared to the Dolphins 8-8 at 21. A Dolphins team, Hayden, that's opened the season 8-3. and has lost five straight and didn't even finish with Teddy Bridgewater in this co- in this game and had to pivot on over to Skylar Thompson. The Patriots, once again, defense came up big on this one. Teddy Bridgewater leaves because he uh, injured his finger on, on the interception that actually was taken to the house by Kyle Duggar. But yeah, the, the Patriots offense to me looked, I guess, a little bit improved, but not by a whole lot. I did notice and I'll have to pull up the, the charts and all that stuff. It seems like Mac Jones, the last couple quarters here, maybe like the last six quarters, has been just chucking the ball downfield. And a lot of them are going awry, but he is, has connected on a couple of them. And it's at least good to see, see here. Uh, for the running back rotation, Damian and Ramondre both played quite a bit here. None of the receivers did a whole lot. It was good to see uh, the rookie Taekwon Thornton score uh, in the bottom of, of the end zone there. But really, it was just a the story here is for the Dolphins next week. If the Dolphins beat the Jets, uh, next week, they're most likely in. But if the Patriots somehow beat the Bills next week, no matter what happens to the Dolphins, they will be in. Um, the Bills most likely have something to play for um, next week, so it would be quite the upset. But both teams, Patriots and the Dolphins, are live going into next week. The Dolphins had eight p- passes of 10-plus yards in this game. I really thought going to the second half that they would move the ball with ease and win until that Bridgewater injury and Skylar Thompson came in and just wasn't prepared. But honestly, that's really what it came down to is just the Patriots taking advantage of their opportunities. And now like when we talk about this offense improving, you look at it and it is Ramondre Stevenson who leads the team in touchdowns. Jacoby Myers is second among their skill players. Kyle Duggar has scored the third most touchdowns for this offense. Like that's how bad they really are. So there's, there's, they're just a joke. 
And Marcus Jones, I would guess, would be like yes. fifth or sixth. I he's think they're actually tied three each. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, but that's that's the state of the Patriots. Uh, they're going to have to keep winning the turnover battle, and not just the turnover battle, turnover plus field position slash defensive touchdown battle to, to stick in this thing. They're probably pretty screwed next week, but the fact that they're still in this with this roster, I don't think this roster is very good. Uh, I think it's actually a kind of a, a – you have to give some credit to Belichick for keeping this team together, but also giving him zero credit for what's happened to this offense and Patricia. Uh, Mac Jones – uh, wasn't I didn't see him yelling and stuff uh, this entire game, which was good to see. Um, but he's just looking for downfield weapons, and the Patriots just simply don't have it right now. Rookie Tyquan Thornton pops up for on seven targets, just three receptions, sixty yards, and a score. Uh, Damian Harris returned to the backfield, actually out carried Ramondre Stevenson nine to eight. Ramondre got forty-two yards. Damian Harris got thirty-two yards. Um, and then on the other end, I wanted to ask you about the Dolphins because. Tua's done some really great things this year, has been on a really cold streak as of late too with defenses changing the ways of how they're playing these wide receivers. You look at this box score, Raheem Mostert, just eight receptions, 62 yards and a touchdown. And I say just because he is the leading receiver on this team. After that's Tyreek Hill for 55 yards, Jalen Waddell for 52 yards. It, yeah. Was it just broken because of the quarterback play? Quarterback change led to just more checkdowns. Obviously, I'm sure he was dropping back to pass and was wondering what the hell these uh, Belichick coverages. It was too hard to tell on the TV copy here. But yeah, Raheem Mostert playing in passing situations was very notable. He played 46 of 71 snaps. Uh, 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 that was actually Jeff Wilson playing that much. But Raheem Mostert was, was playing most of the passing situations when he was getting all those checkdowns. Really quick to wrap up the running back discussion. Ramondre, 34 snaps. Damien Harris, 29. So for DFS purposes next week. It's not a complete coin flick because we think that uh, Ramondre is better, but I would notice a couple of plays where he's still very clearly battling through that injury and Damian Harris got a full practice. I did want to bring up that I am noticing, I'm sure both of you are, rap sheet, NFL insiders of the like, anytime Bill O'Brien's name is tweeted out there, it's just, oh, what is his future entailing? It almost seems like it's buttoned up that New it's England. Bill O'Brien over to New England, and then they maybe pivot Joe Judge and Matt Patricia over the defensive side. Or I'll take it. That sounds, that sounds better than this this current plan. I'm with you. I'm with you. All right, Daigle, theme is playoffs. The Cleveland Browns won this game, but it completely diminishes the Washington Commanders' likelihood of making the playoffs. In fact, I think they are totally out of the race now because of yeah. what happened in the 4 o'clock window. 24 to 10, the Browns win again over Washington with a three interception performance from Carson Wentz. And just saying, as you said, I think they're out now is more than Ron Rivera knew about his own organization because when asked after the game or when told after the game that if you were starting Sam Howell now since you were eliminated, Rivera was completely shocked. I'm going to try had, to play the audio if you'll let of me. Of course, yes. Uh, um, was, and, and let me know if you can hear this, okay? Let's do it. All right, here we go. To clarify, you said you would talk about quarterback next week. If you guys are eliminated today by what happens at 4 o'clock, is Sam Howell in consideration? We can be eliminated. Yeah, if the Packers beat the Vikings, oh, then you guys are eliminated. So, yeah. I think I think he is – I don't think he's – I don't think he's uh, fibbing. I, I, I don't think he is um, being sarcastic. No. I think he's being serious that yeah. he did not know that this was an outcome. He had no idea. And honestly, 
Carson Wentz, his first pass was overthrown, sailed his receiver. His next pass was picked. That is the story of the Commanders, not only on this day, but honestly their entire year, as nothing happened here. They, I would not even tribute their performance. They did not play good defense in the first half. It was just, again, Deshaun Watson being a terrible quarterback, as he's shown this year. But the second half begins, and that's where everything happens. The second half, Deshaun Watson completed six passes. Those six passes went for 146 yards and three touchdowns. Like, that is the story of this entire game. It's just six passes, and that's it. The commanders, of course, again, relied on hammering Brian Robinson, who oddly didn't even start the game. Jonathan Williams got the nod. And then on the second drive, Robinson comes in, and they do the same shit they did last week. Because Taylor Heineke, remember, was averaging nine yards per attempt against the 49ers. He had a bad pick, I know, and then they pulled him. But again, they just hammered Brian Robinson on early downs, and it leads to absolutely nothing. So that was pretty much the moral of the game here. Nothing good in the way of the commanders, who are officially eliminated. Yeah, they'll be able to cut uh, Carson Wentz this offseason. I don't think Carson Wentz is going to get a starting job. I think he'll compete with maybe like a rookie or something like that. He's probably like on like the Trubisky plan at this point. Uh, commanders will be searching for a quarterback. Is the organization uh, smooth enough to draw a quarterback to come there? I'm not sure it is. And they're kind of out of the rookie quarterback mix, too. So they might be the team that's in the quarterback purgatory the most right now. Man, I mean, Deshaun sacked five times, has nine completions, and three of those go for touchdowns. Uh, it seemed like there were a couple positive plays, but I, I don't know enough of what they can take into next year. It just feels like it needs to be an entire offseason of working together, even though that's what happened this offseason, too, and figuring out what sticks and what works. Cool to see Amari Cooper go three receptions, 105 yards, and two touchdowns there. Um, and then Nick Chubb, we've talked about, you know, maybe some concerns of huge 100 plus yard games here against a really good Washington Commanders defensive line, 14 carries, 104 yards, an average of 7.4 per clip. One of Cooper's touchdown, a 75 yard catch, and that one put the game away. His first one, though, Kendall Fuller just missed a tackle, and Cooper ran upfield 36 yards untouched for his score. But now, with two touchdowns in this game, that gives Amari Cooper eight touchdowns on the year, and that's the most by a Browns receiver since Josh Gordon in 2013. A reminder for the Browns just going into this offseason, the Deshaun Watson contracts over $50 million guaranteed every year. A lot of these teams, when they sign their quarterbacks, they have like a year or two to kind of get the system out of there. Not the Browns. That tab is coming due immediately. Let's jump to the Philadelphia Eagles not locking up the number one spot in the NFC by losing 20-10 to 10 to the New Orleans Saints a team that has not had much of anything interesting going on for the last few months. But what we see with the Eagles and Gardner Minshew, who last week, mind you, posted a great performance, a great stand-in, today only managing, and this is going to actually look beneficial, 274 yards, a touchdown, sacked six times at halftime. At halftime, it was 61 yards on 17 plays to the Philadelphia Eagles, just two runs in the first half compared to 247 yards for the New Orleans Saints. A 13-0 lead for the Saints at halftime. A lot of that was through some interesting run designs. Alvin Kamara started here. Taysom Hill had four early carries, including a touchdown. Um, they... The Eagles were able in the second half to make it a bit closer. They had an A.J. Brown long touchdown 
outside the numbers. But in the end, six minutes ago, down by three, close to their own 20-yard line, Marcus Lattimore has inside leverage on A.J. Brown. Brown doesn't think there's any chance that Minshew's going to look in his direction. Runs probably a half-ass route um, because of, again, the leverage that takes away this route. And for some reason, Minshew forces the ball in there, picked off, returned for a touchdown, and that's how we get to 20-10. to 10. So just all around, I think it exemplifies what Jalen Hurts brings to the table here, what Lane Johnson brings to the table here. Losing a player like Josh Sweat in the first or second quarter is significant for the Philadelphia Eagles and a team that looked almost indestructible at points this season. This was probably their worst performance from start to finish of the year. Philadelphia's 11 first downs are actually their fewest in a game since 2014, as you said, just didn't move the ball whatsoever. And I think Lane Johnson is the biggest one to attribute here because historically, without Lane Johnson on the field, they've the Eagles organization has averaged less than seven yards per attempt. This year, Lane Johnson, he's played a primary, primarily a ton of snaps. He's been a 90-plus percent snap player. But with him off the field, they've been pressured on 50% of their dropbacks coming into this game. Like, Lane Johnson matters so much. And so I just wonder even if he is healthy, and now the Eagles do have everything to play for in Week 18 because they still want the number one seed, the Giants are going to rest players. Vegas is even showing that right now because the Eagles are 14 14 point favorites opening right now in week 18 over New York. Um, I'm just curious, is Lane Johnson even healthier? Are they forcing him out there? Cause if so, that's, that's a huge difference. Cause right now we're looking at if they don't get the number one seed an Eagles bucks matchup in week one. So I don't know. For the first round by the Eagles win next week, they'll get it. If they lose and either the 49ers or the Cowboys win, then they would get the first uh, round buys with the 49ers having the advantage over the Cowboys. So yeah, and the Giants are already clinched up. So I'm with Vegas here where I think that the Eagles will return Jalen Hurts, which they probably didn't want to happen and double bad for, for the Eagles is their first round pick that they had from, from the saints goes from seventh now to 10th overall. So it wasn't just for the playoffs and just for Jalen Hurts' status. Also, the draft order was affected as well from this loss. I was trying to highlight, give you an image of this interception by Gardner Minshew. But again, look at this leverage that 23 has in Marcus Lattimore. There is no way on just a slant that you can throw this pass. You simply cannot do it. And when you guys go back and watch, you're going to be stunned at how bad Gardner Minshew looks in this game. And it's not just missing the right tackle. Um, I believe on four of his opening eight total snaps, he was sacked. And it was just from holding the football too long, not seeing the field. Again, just a couple of other notes here. This was A.J. Brown's sixth touchdown of outside the numbers and 20-plus yards down the field. In his previous three seasons combined of his career, he only had five of those. So we've talked about on the show many times, but emerging as that big play wide receiver on the outside where you also have Devontae Smith as one of those and Dallas Scott in the middle and the short stuff. Quez Watkins, so on and so forth. That's what makes them exciting. And again, it shows you why Jalen Hurts, I think, is so meaningful here because Minshew could not get the consistency down. There was one moment that Eagles fans are going to prop up and tell you about. And Landon Dickerson on a, I think, 20 or 30-yard touchdown run by Kenny Gainwell has a beautiful block where he drives his man to the ground. It's such a great block, and it's such a demolishing you know, slam into the ground that the referees believe that it's a holding penalty and they pull it back and they have to settle for a long field goal instead. I'm not saying that would have made the difference, but it was something that stood out when watching this game. AJ Brown. Good. 
I was just going to say AJ Brown's 11 touchdowns also now that matches his career high for the year. Yeah, he's been the difference for the Saints real quick. Um, Taysom Hill got way more involved, played 30 of 68 snaps. Uh, Alvin Kamara, uh, 20 routes on 33 dropbacks, was mixing in just a little bit. There was some weirdness going on. I think that Underhill eventually will break this down for us. Um, he was missing practice for personal reasons, did come back. Uh, that contract's very hard to move from from Alvin Kamara, so they're going to have to figure it out. They're stuck with a lot of players. Like, like same thing with uh, Michael Thomas. Like His contract's basically immo- immovable too so they're gonna have to get the culture right back for the saints but they did win in a meaningless game for them so credit to them all right now we have to shift over to a couple blowouts hayden talk me through this 41 to 17 victory of the green bay packers against the minnesota vikings um a packers team that's playing their best football now as we said this top of the show has their quote-unquote destiny in their own hands and the vikings are now going to have like a negative 40 point differential for a team that is 12 and 4 heading into the playoffs and winning this division yeah the packers win next week and they are in they got to beat the the lions like we talked about earlier what happened here and it sucks because justin jefferson was in everybody's finals is pre-snap you would see bracket coverage remember that game we talked about with jeff akuda and what week three uh, where the Lions went out of their way to stop Justin Jefferson. That's what happened here. And then when Jefferson would get open, he had some trouble with his cleats for whatever reason. And then for the most part, Kirk Cousins had one of those games where it was just, he, you can watch Kirk Cousins. He had a fumble loss. He had another one that was recovered. He had three interceptions. Some of them were absolutely brutal. Um, it was just a complete meltdown from the Vikings here. Uh, the Packers offense, like I would say, fine enough it wasn't some exceptional game by anybody uh aaron jones seems pretty healthy got 101 yards 111 yards on the ground uh, ad dillon's the one that scores the touchdown um it seems like the packers got out of this game relatively healthy but yeah this is one of those games where the vikings they have these games in them where they can lose by by almost uh 25 points here and it's because kirk cousins didn't show up and the packers had a game plan to stop justin jefferson basically no matter what and yes, he was bracketed on plays, but as you mentioned, Jair Alexander, just a shadow corner today. Even then, I blame Kirk Cousins' poor play more than anything because there were times where the broadcast even showed Jefferson running himself open and Cousins just completely whiffed and missed on him today. Uh, there's just no excuse whenever a player is, especially a Jeff Jefferson, 230 yards shy at the time of the NFL receiving record um, and the Offensive Player of the Year. And like someone the team keeps mentioning on again to only give him five targets and one catch. That's absurd. Absurd. Talk me through Christian Watson, because that was a big conundrum. A lot of people had, it was a four o'clock window game left halfway through last week with a hip issue. And here he gets five targets, one reception, 11 yards. Yeah, Christian Watson ran a, a route on 18 of 30 dropbacks, played about half of the snaps here, played behind Alan Lazard personally, but uh, Romeo Dobbs mixed in. Randall Cobb got his snaps in. Uh, it's hard to tell because this game was so this it was over from so early that's yeah. kind of hard to like draw too much from. But I think Christian Watson should be a full-time player going into next week. Just from a top-down view, Dago, real quick, of the Packers. I mean, this game, the first time they played was in week one. And you remember just how nuclear Justin Jefferson went and it was broken coverage after broken coverage, huge gain after huge gain. And it's kind of felt that way with the Packers in general, at least from, you know, giving up running plays. And while it's been a weird and up and down and 
We've tried to not talk about the Packers as much as possible because they've been boring for much of the season. The Christian Watson boost in the second half, now the defense playing at this level too. It helps when you're playing your best football, and it helps when you have a guy, two-time MVP, who can nail these pinpoint passes down the field. And while there were early season struggles, and he even vocalized them to the media guys stepping up and not wanting to run motion and so on and so forth, kind of feels like everything's all gravy and good right now, Daigle. It does. And as Hayden mentioned earlier, I'm just seeing now that apparently the NFL is pushing for the Packers to play Sunday night football. So we may actually get Aaron Rodgers winning in the the destination we were always headed towards. The Packers defense also, to your point, Josh, has been number one in football outsiders DVOA metric since week eight. That's really the turnaround here. And their offense, while not explosive, is still doing just enough and being more efficient and moving the chains and moving the ball. They are top five in EPA per drop back, top five in EPA per play since week 10, whenever that turnaround began against the Cowboys in the afternoon on Fox. So overall, they are a different team. They're not playing faster, but they're playing better. And that's what matters at this time of the year. Aaron Rodgers warned us early on in the season. He said, all my receivers have no experience. I'm going to start feeling comp uh, more confident later on, on. And it made sense just the way that this offense was orchestrated. Probably a pretty confusing offense. Lots of moving parts, lots of new faces in there. So I don't think this is all of a sudden a Super Bowl contender or something. But if you're playing a home game uh, for, uh, and you see the Packers coming to town, I'm sure you don't love that. My toxic trait is that I kind of like it when the Packers and Aaron Rodgers have their swag back because uh, when he actually cares, he's kind of fun to watch. Oh, I, sure. I wish they had all their pieces, though. Like, I wish Rashawn Gary was on the team and fully Sammy healthy. Sammy Watkins. <laughs> <laughs> it was good to see David Bakhtiari back at left tackle. In this Aaron game. Jones, though, over seven yards per carry today. Healthy. Seattle Seahawks and the Jets were two teams with, I think, one of the more surprising seasons of 2022. And in the end, Seattle wins this 23 to six. They improved eight and eight. As we said, they need a Packers loss and the jets are just done seven to nine on the season. I mean, from the jump, Kenneth Walker opens up with a 60 yard run from the first or second snap of the, of the game. And Walker leads all running backs this season with three carries gaining at least 50 plus yards over expected he hit 21.19 miles per hour on there presses right shifts over a couple lanes and outruns a great 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 jets defense for another big gain again he finishes with 23 for 133 throughs 133 so not a totally massive performance that included touchdowns but what ha helped early on is this is probably the best geno smith has looked since that quote-unquote mvp campaign of the first i don't know eight weeks he was connecting with Noah Fant. He was connecting with Colby Parkinson for a contested catch touchdown. A guy named Taylor Tyler Mabry, who's also a special teamer, stepping up for Will Disley, catching a touchdown there. Um, Tyler Lockett was in and out in the lineup. But doing that against a good Jets defense this season that has shut down a lot of opponents, and then conversely watching Mike White, who was you could seriously see hampered by his rib injury from the first play just did not look comfortable. And it shows up in the box score, taking four sacks, attempting 46 passes, only completing 23 of them and throwing two interceptions. Just a bad day at the office all around for the jets and that coaching staff, to be honest with you. 
hit Mike White's fewest passes of 10 plus yards in any game this year because clearly he couldn't even get the ball down the field. He's just a gamer. He just wanted to be out there. But now I believe Hayden, they are officially eliminated, correct? Done. Yeah. Jets are done. The Seahawks next week, they need to win and they need the Packers to lose. Uh, and if we are right and the game does, does get flexed, the, we'll know the Seahawks will be going into this game playing for everything. I'm just so tilted about this. Garrett Wilson, close your eyes. He has 11 targets in week 17 when everything's on the line. Three catches, 18 yards. Welcome to fantasy football. Yeah, and there, there was a, there was a tough, it was I think either a third or a fourth down conversion. He's working over the middle of the field. Um, the pass might have been a couple inches too far. He gets two fingertips on it and it's just out of his hands. It's It just wasn't connecting here. And this was easily the worst Mike White performance. I think a lot of people are going to say now it's a flash in the pan what they do this offseason. Well, one, Mike White's just better than Zach Wilson all around. But I really do feel like the rib injury was a major, major setback here. We had some news. Uh, I mean, I don't really believe this, but I think it was Ian Rapport said that they're the Jets are not trying to move off Zach yeah. Wilson. We'll see about that. They, they would have to swallow, I think, like $1 million against the cap. I still think that they're going to get rid of him. The Jets did get good news that they benched Derek Carr. That's at least another name, which I think Derek Carr and Jimmy G are the two names that Jets fans are going to be bickering about. And that, those would be upgrades over what they've had this year. Gino there was Smith. also a, a super sweet Geno Smith play real quick, Daigle, where he climbed the pocket with a great outside pass rush. A linebacker was sucked down to him, and then he just did this underhand flip to DJ Dallas, who goes off for a 41-yard gain after that. Electric Geno plays. Just feed me them. And again, Seattle's going to have a really nice draft pick in, what, the top 10 because they get someone else's in that area. Number three overall right now. And so they're going to have a very interesting decision of do we go with a rookie or do we re-sign Gino this offseason? And this is one of the great final Gino performances to put out there, I think. And right now, as we discussed last week, the Seahawks will have five picks in the first two days as well. So a lot to work with here. No matter what happens for the Seahawks, though, a success for Gino. We'll see, we'll see what happens. They clearly want a quarterback, but Gino at least became the second quarterback in Seahawks history with 4,000 passing yards in a season today. Great, great Gino. I want to take that back. That might be hyperbole, but there were some cool plays that we haven't. I feel like we haven't seen the last couple of weeks. And don't we can't, don't take away the first eight weeks. The first eight weeks, Gino was. I'm with he you. Was it the, was legit. He literally was the best story of the NFL for the first half of the year. Tyler Lockett, 23 of 72 snaps in his return here. So hopefully he's healthier uh, going into next week. One final note: 11 minutes left on the clock, fourth and two, down 20 to six. The Jets punted. The Jets punted, and Robert Sala universally settled for field goals more in this game than he should have probably all season long. They had red zone woes as well. You couldn't win this game and others just kicking field goals. And in that moment, I think on their own 39 yard line, again, 11 minutes, there's no reason to punt. You have to go for it. And they were playing for their lives and Robert Sala just gives it up. And I think Greg Rosenthal on the Around the NFL podcast has mentioned maybe there's some chatter around Salah and this decline after such a start of the season. I would be shocked if anything happens from there. But again, that's a moment that um, I think he should have shown a bit more uh, chutzpah, a bit more attitude and gone for it. All right. Next up, Hayden, you had the Tennessee Titans and the Jacksonville Jaguars. A game where the Jaguars like didn't even need to play anyone in the second half. Uh, 31 to three. I mean, Jacksonville, uh, Daigle had this one, excuse me. Um, 
talk me through it, Tegel, because Jacksonville just keeps stacking, stacking, and stacking great performances in a row. The narrative that the Jaguars would bench their players was always misplaced. And I don't know who started at the beginning of the week, but it never made sense since, again, Jacksonville was in position with the right things happening today. They could win and lose in Week 18 and still make the wild card. So, of course, they were always going to play their players. And if they got up big, then bench them to save them for Week 18. That's the way it was always going to work. And that's what happened today because all the Jaguars did was put up early points. ETN, a 27-yard run in the first quarter. ETN, a career-long 62-yard touchdown at one point. ETN also had a 30-yard catch in this game. Christian Kirk gets his first career 1,000-yard season. And uh, that actually gave the Jaguars a 1,000-yard rusher and 1,000-yard receiver for the first for just the second time since 2004. It happened in 2019 as well between players Hayden has never heard of. So overall, it was honestly just a very bad Texans team that controlled their own destiny in a different kind of way for the number one overall pick, whereas the Jaguars just got an early lead, including a Davis Mills fumble for a defensive touchdown, and then rested their players from the third quarter on because that was the game. Yeah, it was very tough for the Jaguars pass catchers here because they have that defensive touchdown and then also Jamichael Hasey scores uh, fluky from the six-yard line. So it was just like this game was over immediately and you're looking at the box scores. And aside from Travis Etienne, who had a, a monster game, as everyone kind of expected, the box score for the pass catchers, nil. It has also been over a year officially now since the Texans last won at home. December 26th, 2021 was their last home game win. So maybe we can tie this to the next game we'll get to in a little bit because right now, at least according to NFL.com, the Jacksonville Jaguars are first in the AFC South. It doesn't totally matter who was first and who's second right now because it all comes down to week 18 against the Tennessee Titans. A Titans team that I would say right now is more interesting than they were a week ago because they've made the move, it seems like, to Joshua Dobbs at quarterback. Um, but this Jaguars team needs to get in. Like they're better. They're just better. They're than the Titans so everywhere. much better everywhere. And, and everywhere. defensively just getting some of these turnovers um, and offensively look this run by Travis Etienne, who we've loved to see the explosiveness from him, but a 60 plus yard touchdown run perfectly blocked just makes 25 and five miss. And then he's off to the races. We love to see this. We have, I've honestly been waiting for this type of long touchdown run for about two years from Travis Etienne. Obviously he didn't play last year. But it's the type of thing you saw at Clemson. We've seen, you know, 30 and 40 yards and some of that in the passing game. But everything's clicking right now. And again, it's one of those teams with their best game, their best ball towards the end of the season as we reach the playoffs. On Thursday night against the Cowboys, like the Titans, yes, they rested Bud Dupree, Jeffrey Simmons, and those players matter. But honestly, on offense, what you saw against Dallas, that's who's playing against Jacksonville. Uh, Austin Hooper ran more routes than Chico Conquo. Traylon Burke still worked in three wide sets with Robert Woods. That is their offense, Josh Jobs included, in week 18. And you just see that. And then you see this Jaguars team, and you know the Jaguars are the better team. Maybe that doesn't mean they win, but the Jaguars deserve to get in because they are, in fact, the much better team. I saw, and let's just pivot on over that game on Thursday. It's a 27 to 13 win for the Dallas Cowboys, who improved to 12, uh, 12 and 4. There, because of the um, Derrick Henry resting. I think there were some jumps to conclusions that Malik Willis was also being rested as a starter, but it's very clear that Malik Willis just isn't ready to play quarterback at the NFL level. We talked about on the show, he can only see the outside and he only liked to throw down the field and towards the line of scrimmage. 
on those outside the number throws in college. And then at the NFL level, he really hasn't improved. It's basically as simply put, you can't build an NFL offense around his skills and traits at the moment. So enter Josh Dobbs, who at every stop, even digging back to college has been known to be a very smart and intelligent quarterback. He's his first career start. Very little time in the Tennessee Titans playbook yet goes out there. And I think Hayden elevates some of these pieces to make them more competitive, still the worst team, but anything happens in football, especially in one and done scenarios. Yeah. To come in there off of uh, no experience with the team, have only two sacks on 39 dropbacks behind one of the worst offensive lines, just a credit to like how smart he is. Uh, I think there's a chance that the Titans, I mean, this is for the off season. Uh, we see like what third round picks get moved off of one year. I can see Malik Willis not even making the team next year. It's, it's that bad with Josh Dobbs coming in. Um, yeah, we'll see what happens next week. This will be the best opportunity for Traylon Burks in a long time um, for, for DFS purposes. Anything you want to say, Daigle, about the Cowboys on the other end? Um, I mean, Dak Prescott, two touchdowns, also has two bad interceptions. And then CeeDee Lamb continues to be on this crazy streak of 11 catches, 100 yards, dominating out of the slot on 14 targets. And then Dalton Schultz pops up here for, you know, again, 56 yards, two touchdowns, and I believe another uh, impact. Um, uh, both of them were in the red zone, and then the coverage was so tight, but Dak just trusting him with uh, defenders with their nameplates facing the quarterback understands that, hey, if I put the ball in the right place, my tight end's going to catch it. And that connection they have, I think, is really special. I think this is 11 turnovers in six games for Dak Prescott. That is certainly an issue. But at the same time, you can't just look and say, how, how do the Cowboys get up for that game professionally? Like, you can't look across and see a team literally knowingly resting all their starters and then actually come out prepared for that one to just put them away. So I don't look into it too much. T.Y. Hilton, for everyone still playing best ball playoff contest, T.Y. Hilton ran more routes than Noah Brown. He will be the team's third third wide receiver and three wide sets when they get to the playoffs. So just be aware right now in the last round with him. Yeah, it's a very sharp uh, call. And for Dalton Schultz, he's the tight end one this week by uh, four points uh, in full PPR at least and um, just kind of running away with the position. And I think what the Cowboys didn't, was it Tyler Biotish left with an injury? They moved over their guard and then Trey Smith moved over from or Tyler Smith moved over from left tackle into left guard. Jason Pierce comes in at left tackle. Tyron Smith still shifting out there at the right side. So some moving pieces, but um, they should continue to be able to uh, get it done along there. All right. That's all the games that we watched. Let's go on over to some that we did not have a chance to go through, but a 71 combined points between the 49ers and the Raiders with Jarrett Stidham posting three touchdowns on a 49ers defense. Devontae Adams going off for 153 and two, but it's not enough because in overtime, a Stidham interception, Christian McCaffrey, 121 yards in a score. Brent Ayuk continues to thrive in this offense for 101 and one. Um, the 49ers, you know, the, the, the pegs of the chairs continue to keep this afloat, even when one might take a little step back in the defense this time, which has been so consistent all season long, the offense is able to put up 37 points. It was good to see Brandon Ayuk, who hasn't done a whole lot for a while, even with Debo Samuel out, pop up for nine, one oh one and one. Uh from what I was reading, it wasn't the best Brock Purdy game. Um, but at the end of the day, they still score 37 points because Christian McCaffrey was absolute baller, uh, was out almost 200 yards, uh, a touchdown, six receptions. That's uh how, how you get it done. 
And good practice for Purdy, honestly. Like, he needs the kind of test. You go into overtime. You are still under duress. You're playing a competitive game because the 49ers had just blown out their opponents to this point. So uh, a random blip on the map here with Jared Stidham performing well against, like, a defensive player of the year favorite in Nick Bosa and a 49ers defense that has been onslaughting teams the last month of the year. But overall, all we look to is, okay, get the reps for Purdy, keep playing well in environments like this, and move forward. It does make you pause because I I wonder if Josh McDaniel's frustration just boiled over with Derek Carr because it felt like when they went back and reviewed games, like they were open receivers and Derek Carr just wasn't pulling the trigger that maybe Jarrett Stidham was here. But I also don't want to read into just a singular game that I have not watched from start to finish. But I did not have on my bingo card a 365-yard three-touchdown game with 34 rushing yards for Jarrett Stidham and his first start in a long time against arguably the best defense in the league in the 49ers. But it helps when you have Devontae Adams, who has a insane diving catch. Insane. And and you still have to be the person that throws to Devontae Adams. Like, if you're in trouble, all you do is find Devontae Adams. And even the last two weeks, Derek Carr wasn't even doing that. Yep. Let's talk about the New York Giants. Winning 38-10 to 10 over the Indianapolis Colts and Jeff Saturday. Uh, Daniel Jones, 177, two scores on the air. Daniel Jones, 11 carries, 91 yards, two scores on the ground. Daniel Jones has played really good football this year. He's been surrounded by a really tough pass-catching group. Um, I'm not saying Daniel Jones, you need to thrust him into some of these great young quarterbacks going on to their second contracts. In this offense, constructed by Brian Dayball Daigle and Mike Kafka, they are able to work around his strengths, and he has significantly limited his negative plays that really hindered him uh, early on in his career. I genuinely don't know what they do with Saquon Barkley. Like, I don't know what the Giants do. Um, They're both back, in my opinion, both of them. Okay, that's, that's fair. I, I think we can have an argument in either direction. But the way Daniel Jones has played and the way he – copes with this coaching staff and has chemistry with them, it makes a lot of sense that they bring him back, that he gets, um, you know, not a lucrative. I don't think it's a one-year deal, uh, but you know you have something, and you at the very least know you have a top-10 pick that you're making magic with. Question, uh, Hayden, for the contract master that we're going to anoint you right now. You you. can only use the franchise tag on one of those two players. Yeah. It's going to go to Saquon Barkley, most likely just how the top five contracts for the running backs versus the quarterbacks work. And what my, I'm going to have a prediction column for all this stuff. I think they're going to franchise tag Saquon Barkley. And then, uh, well, it could go kind of go either way. I think Daniel Jones probably get like a two year deal, like the Jameis Winston type of deal where you're getting starter ish money, but not like long term money. And they'll go from there. He's been too good. You can't move on from him. Get him some wide receivers. And they got cap space and all that stuff after clearing the books uh, this last offseason. They clinched the playoffs without even the week 18. I don't see how you can get rid of Saquon Barkley, the the face of the franchise, or Daniel Jones, the quarterback that got in there. Right now, at least though, and we knew this two weeks ago, but at least we confirmed it today, Brian Dable is the head coach of the year. Don't you dare go giving it to Nick Sirianni for the easiest schedule possible. It is absolutely Dable, who I don't know any other coach, Shanahan included, that takes this roster and bring them to the playoffs. I have no idea who. And it's sweet that Brian Dayball was self-aware enough to be like, hey, I've called plays at Alabama. I've called plays in Buffalo. I trust Mike Kafka, who I hired, and I'm not going to call plays here. I mean, how many teams, how many coaches, 
how many you know play callers are willing to do that once that you get hired because of your play calling. I, I we don't know fully how he sets up you know the infrastructure if he's the architect of so on and so forth. But let's say Matt Kafka gets head coaching uh, interviews this off season. It's just amazing, like you said, Dagan, we've talked about it, where the Alabama offense was different than the Buffalo Bills offense, than this New York Giants offense, and they've done it in totally different ways under Brian Dayball. And with nothing to play for, that's why not only Vegas is showing the 14-point dogs in Week 18 to the Eagles, but remember Dayball with the Bills also always bench their players in Week 18, so we're not going to see these guys in Week 18. Go ahead, Hayden. It was just, to me, we watched Daniel Jones rip off these huge runs for his entire career, but he would never actually get any design stuff. And this year has been the difference where the right coaching staff actually uses that as an advantage. And some of those dropbacks probably would be fumbles and interceptions. They're actually just getting him on some zone read stuff. We cannot move on, Josh. I know you don't want to talk about the Colts, but we have to dunk on Jeff Saturday every chance we get because he's so piss poor at his job. And so during the six-game losing streak, the Colts have been outscored 192-75, to and they had a 24-point second quarter to the Giants today. They had that 33-point quarter in the fourth to the Cowboys that week before their bye. And then remember, they were up 39-3 after the halftime to the Vikings as well. Like, Jeff Saturday is so bad at his job. It is unreal, and I'm loving every second of it. From, there was the report. Yep, from Nate Atkins, who covers the Indianapolis Colts for the Indy Star. I've covered some bad units before the 2014 bears defense, the 2018 lions defense, but none of it matches the ineptitude of this Colts offense. It's an all all time disaster. Now that was tweeted about five hours after a report that despite having a one in five record, Jeff Saturday should not be excluded from contention of the head coaching job this off season. Uh, Jim Mercy is a lunatic, but would even, be more of one if uh he goes with his as some have called it drinking buddy as the head coach of the team and hires him when there's so many other candidates out there because there's not been one thing that you can attach to jeff saturday being proficient at his job he's going to miss out on dan quinn ben johnson D'Amico ryan's go down the list all, all because uh, he tips over a couple bottles of blue label with his friend here. And I'll I think it's going to happen. I, th- I think it kind of happens. It's um, part of me wonders. Of course it happens. Yeah. And one. It's very clear. And this is the simplest statement of all time. Frank Reich is just better at his job than Jeff Saturday is at his. And so you could say that, well, if the hiring of Jeff Saturday, was it just to, lose ball games and tank the season and try to get a better draft pick. That has been the outcome, but that was not Jim Irsay's goal. His goal was to give experience to Jeff Saturday in the hopes that he claims it. And this experience can be propped up to become the head coach of this team. And it's gone, it's gone the worst direction for both of those. Never forget. Irsay is the one who told us that put your chips all in. And uh, I dare you to bet against this guy. And buddy, we are putting our chips all in against this guy. All right. I think we have one more game. And it's the Atlanta Falcons being the Arizona Cardinals 20 to uh, 19. I didn't even know the Falcons won this game, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, Desmond Ritter, 169 yards. Tyler Algier misses, I think, like the third and fourth quarters. Or maybe the fourth. Uh, Get back in. Does close with 83 yards and a score. 
CPAT pops up for nine yards, 42 yard, or excuse me, nine carries, 42 yards and a touchdown. Uh, we kind of got that dynamic. Correct. Hayden. And then, um, Drake London, eight targets, five receptions, 47 yards. Yeah. Even with Tyler Algier leaving momentarily for an injury, he still had more snaps than, uh, CPAT. So, uh, Going into the next week, there's obviously nothing to play here, play for except to get their rookies, some experience, Drake London, Tyler Algier, um, and Desmond Ritter. I haven't watched a single second of this game, and I hope you guys didn't either. Oh, we do have another game. Uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Don't throw that slate up there for the video. Just let me say, Drake London passed Calvin Ridley for the second most receptions by a rookie in team history, oh. even, though, even though he is unusable in fantasy. But go ahead now. What do you expect, Hayden, Air, James Connors' workload to be like for the Arizona Cardinals next year? Because he closes with another game with 19 touches for 110 yards. He, his contract's hard to get out of. He's pretty well paid over there in Arizona. I'm sure that he'll have an ADP of, what, 296 because nobody likes him, but uh, we'll be profiting. We will be. Another summer of James Conner. Tune into the channel. Los Angeles Chargers beat the LA Rams 31 to 10. Justin Herbert, two touchdowns. Austin Eckler with a 72-yard touchdown run to cap it off of a 122-yard day and two scores himself. And Mike Williams has another great catch. Sounded like there was some competition, some competitiveness from Baker Mayfield early on. Cam Akers closes with yet another 100 plus yard rushing day. But in the end, the Chargers are just too much. And at 10 and 6, they make the playoffs. For the Rams, the fact that the Baker Mayfield's only good games came against two two teams that quit on the year in the Raiders and Broncos, I think that tells you everything you need to know about Baker Mayfield. Yeah, I'll have to. We'll do a, a column or a show about what the teams not. have to play for. But uh, uh, the Chargers—they uh, already locked up. They play the Broncos next week. It's mostly a meaningless game outside of some seeding. Well, I think that'll come down to what happens with the Ravens tonight. All right. I think that's going to do it for us. Um, well, I want to uh, really quick. I just want to go over some of the best ball mania three uh, updates real quick. Um, Daily Rojo, otherwise known as Pat Corain. Let's go. Uh, he is in first place right now. 162 points. I believe his team is done. He is currently sweating a uh, second place team who's six points behind. That team has Pat Fryermuth and Isaiah Likely. Uh, they need to outscore Travis Kelsey. The big thing what makes this a little bit difficult to kind of parse through right now is there are some teams with Deontay Johnson available. There's some teams with like Pat Fryermuth, George Pickens available. And then on Monday Night Football, we will be streaming here from halftime on Bengals, Bills. There are so many teams. There's a team that has like no quarterback points that has Joe Burrow and T Higgins reminder. T Higgins was one of the most popular players still in the final. There's going to be a lot of teams that are still live. If the bills Bengals game shoots out as most people expect. So good luck to everybody. There was a ton of awesome teams this year. Uh, Pat's team was very good. By the way, we'll go over it. Uh, running back, running back early, had some stacking all the way through uh, was a well-constructed team, but I've seen zero RB teams in the top. I've seen, hero rb superhero robust teams on underdog fantasy half ppr best ball you can win with almost every single strategy you just have to know how to use one and how the adp is shaking out but uh very cool to see crane in there but still lots of teams alive good luck to everybody and running backs have higher ceilings than wide receivers so you can win in many ways but you know how to draft come on now okay we're going to cover all those teams do a live of our own sweat 
and uh, maybe even pull a couple people in, hopefully send them the link to the StreamYard tomorrow uh, as that is going on. Again, as Hayden said, that will kick off at the start of halftime on Monday Night Football. Could be a lot of points in Bills and Bengals, and that could totally alter the leaderboard. But as of now, Pat Corain, number one. Love to see that. All right. That's going to do it for us. Before we get out of here, Daigle, thanks for doing this every week, buddy. The Hell kindness of, season, of your Daigle. heart. Hell of a season. You make the show better. You make the channel better. Doing the show last year with just Hayden, uh, I hated it. That's good. <laughs> uh, and so having a third person, especially with your perspective and bringing it every single week, it is very much appreciated. And I hope a lot of people who tune into our stuff started tuning into your stuff and gravitated in your direction because we go way back, Daigle, and uh, you're a good one. If one. not, I appreciate if they do, but if not, it's not, I don't do that for that reason. I just enjoy talking about football with my friends. Uh, that's why I do this job because it's what I love doing. And I'm very happy we got to all reunite this year. I will actually be going. Um, I got a little help, but I'll be going to the Bengals Bills game. I'll be on the 50 yard oh, line. Oh, wow. The yard line row 10 tomorrow. So, okay. uh, so maybe bring a laser pointer to T Higgins and yeah. in his eye just for Corrine. <laughs> Corrine could do some things here, you know? Yeah, so whatever I need to do, I'll just have my phone on me. I can live stream anything if y'all need some mm. help. Just reach out. But yeah, I'll I'll be right there in the front. I'm excited. All right. It's like one of those Buffalo Wild Wings commercials where you like pull a lever and he falls into the dirt. That's what Kareem needs from you just for a, a cool $2 million. But hey, even a 1 million or 500K to second and third place. We're all, we're all, I'm, everyone is good people in that top 10, 12 yeah. range. But uh, let's be honest. We are all Korean fans for the next 24 hours. Yeah, and I think that's paying a little bit more than Roto World. I don't know. Maybe. All right. That's going to do it for us. Job security. For Hayden, for Daigle, chat. Thanks for joining us all year long. Uh, Hayden, I'll be back again tomorrow night. And then you'll hear from, from us for other shows this week as well. I'll develop. Talk to you all soon.